Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. Once again, you'll be able to tell Boyd Hilton is not here. I believe he is doing an event for Apple. I'm not sure if that means we're all getting new iPhone 7s next week, but uh, we can only hope. Which means I'm in the hot seat. So I'm joined by three guests this week, one of whom is a semi-regular with us, I'd say, Raymond Herley from Red Action. Good to see you, Raymond. Thank you, Josh. You were here towards the end of last season, we were just saying, when there was a bit of a protest going on. It's all nice and calm now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Everything's just rosy at the moment. Everything's fantastic. Um, we'll talk about that in due course. Uh, John Sperling, the author who has been with us on the podcast before, is also here. Hi, Josh. You, five Arsenal books, is it? Five you've written, Arsenal books, yeah. That's right. Which which uh, which is the one that uh, has been most popular? Highbury. Highbury N5. Highbury N5. That's uh, done quite well. Still available on all... Uh, all good Amazon-like it places. Is. And in the club shop, I believe, as well. <laughs> is it in the club shop? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Good to hear. That's great to hear. <laughs> um, but making his debut, we're delighted to say we're joined by ex-pro uh, Vaughan Ryan, who uh, who will get into bits about his career, but you're also an Arsenal season ticket holder, Vaughan. I certainly am, Josh, yeah. So, mm. Arsenal home and away since, since what year? I would say... I'm nearer. I'd say from home and away... Regularly, as a season ticket holder, I'd say since the away scheme coming to fruition. But ever since I've come out of the game, really, I've got to watch Arsenal away. So, so. Wanna, let's talk about that while, while, while we start. Um, you, you finished playing 95, 96, yeah. that kind of time. And you, mm. you, you, you've obviously played against Arsenal in your career. So, just for those who don't know, you were at Wimbledon and Orient were the main two clubs, really. Yeah, I made my debut at Arsenal in 1986 against Tottenham Hotspur, as a matter of fact. And then... Um, that was under Dave Bassett, and the following year he left and went to Watford, and uh, Bobby Gould uh, turned up and then unveiled this bloke called Don Owens, his assistant. And I thought I'd like, I was like a dog with two towels, and he un- unveiled Don. And then I, I was like a regular then. First game was at Ibury, we got beat 3 0, which weren't too clever. How did you feel? Like, you obviously, Arsenal fan growing up, huge Arsenal, and you're still an Arsenal fan. Playing against playing Arsenal. Against Arsenal. Strange at first it was, yeah, because Arsenal's emotive to me. It's the team I loved, you know what I mean? So 
it was like, you know, but as I, I was speaking outside, going home on the coach, Don told me where my lot is, he got a line when I'm playing football. And that was the Wimbledon, you know what I mean? So whenever I played against the Arsenal after that, I'd, you know, I made sure I was um, at it. What was your record like against Arsenal during your career? No, not when I, when, when I we struck, Wimbledon against Arsenal, really. Arsenal were always at it against us. Right. They never lie. It was a really hard game all the time. We, we, I mean, Arsenal come out on top most times. And that, and that was a time, yeah, Ray and John, that was a time when Arsenal had great sides at the sort of back end of the 80s and, uh, and early 90s. Sort of memories, uh, joyous memories for you, Raymond. M- many battles with Wimbledon at various grounds, and we should have done a lot better against them in many games. I can remember getting beat 1 0 at home at Highbury in the early 90s, just an absolutely appalling game when we were really struggling. <laughs> but we had some bad results at Plough Lane in Sellers Park as well. John. Wimbledon were our bogey side for a while. I think the game you might be referring to is when Dean Holdsworth got the winner in a terrible game. I remember the, it. the North Bank was shut down. Yeah, I remember it. It was end. it was the end of the '93 season when we had all those league games to catch up because we did so yeah. well in the cups and we almost had a home league game every midweek for about six midweeks in a, in a row and we finished in the bottom half. I think that year, but yeah, we lost one 0 to Dean's old, Dean Holdsworth goal. Glorious memories. Oh, well, look, we'll, we'll come back to, to all this and also talk about some of the more recent events at Arsenal, such as the, the game on Saturday. And we've got to look forward to um, a couple of games that we'll have at PSG and obviously we'll go to Hull at the weekend. But before that, I should tell you about FanDuel sponsors for this podcast. Um, and FanDuel, if you don't know, is one day fantasy football. You select a team of Premier League players for a single round of fixtures, so you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch, and win money if you're good enough in one day. So first up, you choose your contest. You can play for free or put your own money on the line for bigger payouts. Um, if you play in the 7.5k fan favourite, it covers the whole weekend's games. It's £5 entry with 7.5 grand in prizes going to the top 400 managers with £750 to the first place. So you've got £100 million to spend. No subs, no captains, just 11 shirts to fill and the perfect formation to find. Splash out on the dead certs and hunt out those hidden gems. FanDuel was designed by football fans and is powered by Stats. It's about much more than goals, assists and clean sheets. Every pass, interception, every tackle. They've got all the big implications and FanDuel scoring reflects the player's true performance whatever um, whatever their position. So if you sign up with the promo code GUNNERS, then FanDuel will return your entry fee as free credit if you don't win cash in your first contest up to a tenner. Um, so do go to fanduel.co.uk, enter our promo code GUNNERS um, in the promo code field to sign up and bag the offer. So good luck if you're going to play FanDuel. Um, a couple of bits of notice I wanted to, to get out of the way at the start of this podcast. Ollie Shorts, who often does the podcast with me, a very good mate of mine, he usually steps in when I can't make it. He got engaged last week, so I want to say congratulations to him. And also my cousin, Ben Winston, obviously used to do this, this podcast regularly before he went to live in LA. Won not one, but two Emmys this week for the Late Late Show with James Corden. So congratulations uh, to both of them. Now, congratulations too also to Santi Cazorla for scoring a last-minute penalty. It was, it was brilliant. It was momentous. I actually hurt my elbow slightly celebrating. Raymond, I don't know what it was like. Where were you? Block five? Were you block, block six, five? Block, block six? six sorry, yeah, just next door. Well, actually, was it was it equally joyous there? Yeah, it was good celebrations. I mean, you can't be a last minute winner, no matter how many times you see it. Obviously, some concerns about the performance. I think if you look at the result after an international break and before a big Champions League midweek, you know, a narrow win is fine. The performance was a bit poor. I mean, I, I was told the stats were we had two shots on target the whole game, the two goals. Um, so a little bit worried about that. We didn't really have any flow and there stood a lot of players out of form, but we got the three points and that is, you know, that is, it's all about results really. So happy enough to get the three points in the end. And it, I know you were also there, John. It was a little bit fortuitous. It felt massively like that in terms of the penalty at the end. Yeah, it, the the game had no flow to it. It was a strange. It was a strange day. It was a hot day, but a drizzly day. The atmosphere was quite quite flat. 
And it seems Southampton didn't know whether they were coming for a draw or a win. And Arsenal, with the changes with the two new players coming in, didn't have that flow either. So it was not a vintage game. But in some ways, there's nothing better than a slightly fortuitous last-minute winner. A win is a win, three points, three mm. points. But it wasn't a great performance, like you say. Lucky, lucky to get that pen, I thought. Yeah, yeah I, well, obviously, you're, you're the ex-player here. You, what did you make of that? Because Koscielny was flat out, really, on, on the floor, clearly obstructing Fraser Forster. So, surely, should the referee have, have allowed play to go on? Well, for the penalty? Yeah. I, I don't think that the, the, whether he played on was the issue. I was just, whether, you know, whether... Whether it was an actual penalty. Whether it was a penalty, and I think... We, you know, I think a more experienced ref might not give that. You mean I, I think I'd be very disappointed if I was Southampton. Mm, I, I didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah. I, I'm not being funny. I, I think he might. You know, some, if he had seen the kick in the face with Kishioni as well, I think the game might have got stopped. I was surprised that he played on, particularly it was a head injury. Obviously, Fraser mm. Forster was being yeah. very animated about wanting to get the game stopped. And you know, he loves a bit of fair play, so um, he was very, very keen and. To be honest, when the whistle went and, and he pointed to the penalty spot, I thought he was pointing at Koscielny and he was stopping the game because of that. So I held my celebrations for a minute when he gave the penalty, but quite surprised to see him play on with another player down on the edge of the six-yard box. No, I agree. You were right. It was, it was just a two shots on target for Arsenal. Five for Southampton. Shane Long had a great chance before we went and got mm. the winner. Um, a draw would probably have been, have been the fair result, but it is something about the momentum of just at least getting to seven points and being only five points off the off the Premier League leader. Sort of seven points would have felt huge at, at this time of year. After watching as good as Man City were at lunchtime before that, you know, we were all a bit depressed about how far we were going to be behind. Um, and then we got lucky right at the end. So, yeah, Shane Long had a couple of chances. Um, maybe we were a bit lucky with the winning goal with the foul on on him by Monreal and, and, and obviously the Cristiano injury. But I think we were due a bit of luck against Southampton because in the home game last year, very unlucky, nil-nil, and all, missed a load of chances and got absolutely battered in the, uh, in, in the away game. But there was a bit of refereeing controversy there as well, so we owed him that, I think. I think um, Virgil van Dijk played well for Southampton. He, he kind of held their defence together. Probably means he'll be Liverpool's centre-back this time next <laughs> season, I imagine. But he was very strong. And Southampton have kind of changed the way they play slightly under the new manager as well. They used to play quite openly. They're much more defensive now. You know, I don't think you can keep selling those players and hoping that you'll stay at the same kind of level. So perhaps we'll see more from that from Southampton away now coming for draws, which is sad in a way. I think you're entirely right. Arsenal fans sometimes get frustrated about what, what's our club's ambition. Is it anything more than the top four? And you can you can debate that. But if you're a Southampton fan at the moment, we're literally at the end of every season. You know, probably your best player is going to Liverpool, which is yeah. their, their recruitment policy. Um, but obviously, Pelle, Pelle went off to play in China. And yes, they're being replaced, but what is your ambition if you're Southampton? It's basically to just maintain a sort of middle, slightly above that Premier League status, and that must be incredibly frustrating. Well, yeah. it goes with the expectation, I guess. If they're not charging you a minimum of £1,000 of a season ticket like they do at Arsenal, then your expectations can be different, and that's where Arsenal fans struggle, because when we pay the prices that we pay, we have a certain expectation of trying to win and trying to really compete. It's, I don't know what Saints fans pay 400, 500 quid, but I think the expectations are set by what you pay to go in through the turnstile. Okay, I'll tell you. So, uh, Vaughan, you, you mentioned earlier when we were just chatting ahead of the podcast, you're, you're a friend of Stuart Robson, and that might give us an indication of your general outlook on the, on the management of the club, perhaps at the moment. But in, in terms of what we've got there now, playing squad-wise, how do you assess it, and what is that squad capable of? What success this season? Well, it's too early to say about the two new fellas who have come in, you know, Xhaka and Perez. So, you know. But as a group, I wouldn't think it's a group that's going to win us the Premier League. Um, you know, it's also been spoken about already, but if you look at 
City or even maybe United as well. It looks like we're going to be short with them. What they're like doing over the road at, you know, in West London, I don't know, or up the road from us, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't look at it and think, you know, this is going to, you know, and I only go on the groups that we've had in the past. So, and they're, for me, they're not near, near enough, you know, any of Wenger's double winning sides, any of George's teams. I, I can't see this group getting it together. You know, I'm going 25, 30 games unbeaten. I hope, you know, like everyone around this table, I hope I'm, I'm wrong. But I, I don't really think that's going to happen. Where is it in, the, in that squad or that team that you feel we are significantly weaker at the moment than, than those challenges that you talked about? Apart from the keeper, most places, everywhere I'd say. Everywhere? Well, well if you go on the standard bearers of when I've gone, or when, when we go, you know, in, in take George's reign and take Wenger's reign now, Let's go when it, if the standard bearer's Seaman, all right, check. Okay. We'll have him. Yeah. If the standard bearer's, are we going to go Lauren, uh, go back further, Viv Anderson, or go back Lee Dixon, I'd have them in front of Bellerin, centre halves, TA, Keown, Bold, Campbell, in front of any of these, Winterburn, Sampson, Ashley Cole, Miles in front of any of these, Miles in front of Monreal. Going to midfield, Vieira, Petit, Edu, you know, where else do you want to... I mean, none of them are getting anywhere near them. And you get these are the standard bearers. So they're yeah, Wenger's okay. standard bearers, they are. And, and, you know, and then you go up front, Burkamp, Omri, well, no. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm going on that, then this, this ain't going to get me on the edge, edge of my seat. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little. You did tell it's us a little to be bit sobering. Tonight, though, didn't you? Yeah, this is a little bit sobering. You, I mean, John, you've written so many books about Arsenal. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you agreement with that? It's kind of we are just so far off what what the standards that you know even Graham and Wenger in the first half of his reign set. Well, Raymond, I hope you don't mind me mentioning it. You said beforehand that you didn't go to the um, Legends game the weekend before because you couldn't stand the nostalgia. <laughs> and you know there is a feeling when you watch Perez and Lundberg slice Milan apart, you think, oh, you know. But I think what Arsenal were trying to do, especially with Perez, after my two pints of um, Romford Pele in the pub, I was focusing on Perez quite a lot for 62 minutes. And they've obviously bought a player that they hope will appreciate like Jamie Vardy. I mean, a lot of people said he was like the yeah. Jamie Vardy of Spain. So they're spending, you know, 20 million or whatever on, on Perez, hoping, it, hoping that he will appreciate in value. And they're going for these kind of silver stroke, bronze-plated plated players like Wenger did at the start of his own, like Vieira, that kind of thing, and hoping that they will do the business. Now, I think... Um, given the Manchester clubs and Chelsea's firepower, that's financial firepower, that's unlikely. So I still think Arsenal are going for fourth place this season. I mean, you know, I'd like to think that they could maybe fire higher, but I think given the fact that other clubs have, have you know, regrouped, they've rebuilt, they've, they've reappointed, that's probably where Arsenal are aiming at. And yet we've spent £100 million and still we sit here going, Raymond, fourth. How much would we... I mean, we're talking about having to spend another, what, a couple of hundred million, presumably, from what this conversation seems to be. And I think I think that's reality. I think we're aiming for third or fourth. Um, we can sit here all night and compare the current Arsenal team to, to great teams that we've watched in the yeah. past 20 to 30 years. The reality is we've got Ozil, we've got Sanchez, we've got um, Cazorla, Koscielny, all great players, really good, technically good, and they're great to watch, but we do carry a few too many passengers at the moment, particularly... Um, the Ox and Walcott and a few other players on the fringes of the squad who just aren't quite good enough and can't give us that extra step so we are I think bibbling around in third or fourth again for 
however many years in a row and it does get a little bit depressing but uh, you know we're not doing ourselves any favours by harking back to the days of uh, of Burkamp, Henri and Perez Burkamp, etc yeah right Vol were you going to say something when you're looking at the jump that you have to get well, the jump that you have to get to to say you know with the amount of money you have to spend to, to, to like get up the league so if you want if you're looking to get going from a jump from fourth or we were second but if you're looking to like that to the prem, the, like to win the Premier League, then you know the prize money don't differentiate that too that too much. So you're going to have to spend that. You know, if we spent hundred million, this has always been my thing. If we're spending hundred million on, let's go back to the Suarez thing. If we really wanted him, if, you know, if you went to an estate agent and you really wanted that house and you offered them a penny over what they they would sling you out. So if we really wanted him, why don't we just go and say right, that's it, we want him. That's where I go. Now, instead of buying three players at 30, well, 25 million, why don't we go and buy two at 40 million? Or 50, you know, we, we, They're really going to potentially take you to that next level. Well, you'd like to think so. Yeah. You know, is, you know I don't really know where we go, where, where we're going. What, what is our ambition? Is it to win or is it to. Well, we hope it's to win, but we sort of all probably come to the conclusion it's to stay in that top four. The ambition, the ambition is to make money, unfortunately, and I yeah. think that's been fairly obvious. Um, I think Suarez has probably been too, proved to be too good for us anyway in the last couple of years. <laughs> Just like um, Higuain has, you know, went on and scored 885 league goals over the next two seasons, so I don't know what Jamie Vardy's going to do this year and next, but <laughs> well, you know, the standards have been set pretty high. The, the point that, that John made there about the, the likeness between Perez and, and Jamie Vardy, I think it's something like, I spoke to someone in Spain who, who was quite close and followed Perez a lot and the expectation was, was definitely that he was going to Everton right in the, right up to almost the last two days of that window with the assumption being you know he would be a very good player at a club like Everton with due respect to Everton but that he might not quite be at the level expected for Arsenal to buy and there was a small element of surprise they got the deal done with Arsenal because he's obviously at a certain level but um, it's been bought with you know potential again which is yeah. you know not necessarily what the fans want right now it's, it's, it's probably want someone who could have come in and been the number one and Giroud the number two and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case does it John? No, no I think I don't know I think there's been a, you know a story over the last few years I mean Vaughan was talking about the, the Suarez thing I think the, the end game for Suarez was probably always go, always to go to Barcelona and Arsenal the hapless middlemen and I, I just think there's a fear with Arsenal that they'll bid for these players and get blown out of the water embarrassingly by you know someone like Man United or Man City or Chelsea or Barca or Real and they're, they're at they're at this you know they're at this level and, and you know fans direct their ire at Wenger but Wenger's part of a, a greater regime than that and, and, and that's where that's where we're at I think in agreement, Raymond. Well, the, the the manager's always going to take the brunt of it, and then uh, if we're not signing players, then the board will get in get uh, some of the stick as well. So, you look going into the last fifteen twenty minutes on Saturday. Had we not made those signings in the last week of the, the window, then there would have been a lot more a lot more frustration directed at the bench and at the director's box. But we can see that they've spent a bit of money now, and. Um, you know, time will tell. I mean, obviously, it's very early days for Perez. I thought he looked about a bit out of shape, actually. Um, but it'll take time for him to learn how to play with us and for the other players how to play with him. But when you play this one man up front, I don't know what um, Deportivo played like, but it can take a bit of a while to get used to. And if he's not that big target man to play around like Giroud, the, the rest of the team are going to have to take time to adapt to how to play with him. Yeah, absolutely. And presumably Giroud 
Shaka be- being left out of the team and Sanchez with a view to to Tuesday night, tomorrow night, which we should come on to. It, it, was that your interpretation? That yeah, clear, totally. Clearly, that showed I me mean, Giroud is still going to be number one. Totally. Number one. I think we've seen that for however many years that Wenger prioritises the uh, the Champions League above anything else. So even though it was a, it was a, a tough fixture and it was a fixture we had to win, he still rested uh, two or three of the top names. So he's clearly got his eye on, on tomorrow night. Um, so they've got to, those players have got to perform. We've got to get a good result. We do have to get a good result for one. I mean, we, we've started the Champions League group pretty poorly in, in recent years, and it, it took an almost miraculous escape from the group in having to win two nil. Well, I guess not miraculous to win two nil in Piakos, but we gave ourselves a, a mountain to climb. Um, away at Paris Saint Germain tomorrow, are you, are you confident that that team can go and get a result there? Well, I don't really know what Paris Saint Germain are like, but judging on how we've started. You know, we're gonna. You know, we're, an away game in, you know, in Europe against France is like they're, they're French. The French champions, aren't they? So, Absolutely. Yeah, by, so by a huge distance. Yeah. So yeah. you you would have thought, you know, we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to like play half decent to get anything, you know. So maybe we might, you know, it's been said that there's a lot of injuries they've got and they've, they've obviously got rid of players. Whether we might be catching them at a great, a good time, we you know, maybe we can go there and nick a win, but. Of what I've seen at the beginning of the season at the moment, if Paris Saint-Germain are any good, I mean, I mean but are half decent, like a, you know, a champ, you know, a European, you know, they've got further than us in recent years. In but that's what I mean. They knocked out Chelsea, didn't they? <laughs> that's true. You know, we're going to we're going to struggle. You know, and if you, if we lose our first group game, then it becomes very difficult. Mm. Even if it is it is the hardest game on paper, but we need to get a result there. Otherwise, we'll start panicking and. You know, and it could go, could all go wrong again, and we'll have to play a whole load of players right to the end of the, the six uh, group games. But I'm confident that we can get a result and uh, you know get off on a decent start. Yeah, Arsenal have always ma- have made a slow start in recent years. I mean, PSG have sold some key players like Zlatan, for instance. They're not, I don't think they're quite the force they were. But Arsenal will be mindful that obviously the last few seasons they finished second, which means that they get you know a, a, a powerhouse either Bayern or um, or Barca in the next round and they want to kind of try and break that cycle so you play you know a runner up hopefully in the next 16 and possibly even get to the quarterfinals absolutely I mean it's been that That's, way now six yeah. years in a row I think we've hit that round of 16 yeah. I mean it, it does feel that the same every every year we, we get out of that group we're, we're incredibly consistent in some ways Arsenal that, you know Wenger's record of hitting that top four of getting out the Champions League group stage but it, it's also familiar after that point the reality is we've never been further away from winning it I think if we look at it objectively you know we look back at the teams we, the, the great teams that we had and we got a few quarters a few semis and obviously the final in 06 but we're still miles away and we're just not good enough to get past that round of 16 so I th- would expect us to get through the, this group stage relatively easily do you think we'll win the group? I think we've got a really good chance of winning the group yeah. um, but so that then, will make a difference but then the draw will fuck us won't it because <laughs> Real or Bayern will drop a few points, points end up in second and then we'll, we'll get together in the, in, the last, uh, in the round of 16 the thing for me with a Champions League really is you know as our manager prioritises it so highly it's bored me out of it really because you know I, mean, I, I go and watch group stage games that are tediously boring and I'm watching a competition that really I can never see us winning and, and that's only my hope that's only my honest view I totally it. agree I totally agree I think the match game fan base are mm. bored of the Champions League you can tell that by the atmosphere at a lot of the group games we've never been further away from winning it everybody's more worried about the league and yet you know, here we are every season just prioritising it and changing plays for, for crucial league games and, and we're nowhere near winning it. It's bottom line economics, isn't it? Arsenal have to get into 
competition they'll probably never win because they need the TV the advertising revenue in it's, it's a lot of it. it's the format to be honest the Champions League I yeah. don't think Arsenal fans are the only fans it sounds really kind of ungrateful and stuff like that but there's a lot of fans in Europe who are saying you know the format isn't isn't doesn't lend itself to great opening matches before Christmas no 100% it does feel like it's just a, a way for certain teams to make sure they get the six games some will bow into the Europa League and, and go further in that and, and, and you know we'll roughly be able to it would be a surprise now we could pick probably 14 of the 16 that will get through fairly straightforward and that is an indictment I guess of, of the I, competition and I think you know that's the upsetting thing for me is that my highlight in the Champions League is getting through to the next stage and getting a good side from Europe so I can go and watch them play where the team I support was the good side that I used to want to go and watch and I find you know because we get so badly outclassed like Bayern Munich away last year I know it's in the group stage I was watching it and thinking this is just Shocking. Well, I watch them and I think we used to be that good. Yeah, that's exactly one of the worst things about it. We've seen teams like Bayern and Barcelona come to us for the last five, six years, and we used to be that good, mm. and we just couldn't quite get over the line in the Champions League. Yeah. And last year, I think I went to it was five one. Was it five one mm. in Munich? Could have been. Could have Something been ten like one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It could have. It could have been. Are you, are you? I mean, you still make? Do you make occasional European trips as a fan now? I'll make one. That's make what I mean. One. Yeah. I'm, so you I'm wait make... for the round of sixteen. Well, generally, depending on who we get. Like last year, it was it was. Like Munich, so yeah. you know. And, um, this year, Ludo Goretz is that appealing? Mm, no, <laughs> fair enough. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll assess it, and it might become more appealing. It might be. If we, it's if quite we, nice to play someone up. different. We've got you know t- three teams. Yeah, it's a new place. PSG. Goretz, yeah. Long time since you played them, and well, the other two. I was going to mention actually the last time we went to PSG. I mean, I know you're the sort of Arsenal author here, but we, the last time we went there was was. March 1994 and our team that night was Seaman, Adams, Bowl, Dixon, Winterburn, John Jensen, Ian Selly, Paul Merson, Paul Davis, who Keon came on for, uh, Alan Smith, who Kevin Campbell came on for, and Ian Wright. Possibly have got, we've got a better team going, going tomorrow night, you have to say. Yeah. Um, albeit, uh, you know, incredibly different circumstances. Yeah, I mean, the cup winners' cup mentality was George always said to, to go away and don't concede. Um, and drew one one there. Drew one one. I think da- Ginola scored Ginola didn't he, that scored night. Yeah, he did a penalty. Header from a corner. Was it? Oh, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. a header from a corner. Sorry, it's a P by his name, which yeah. obviously stands for Paris Saint Germain. I can't remember. I was what only seven. Didn't. To be fair, I mean, to I, mean me. I remember the home leg really well. That was one of the Highbury nights, actually. Kevin Campbell. With Kevin Campbell scored really early on, didn't he? And Ian Wright got booked, so he couldn't appear in the, the final. In the final, it was an amazing performance. But but you know, we were talking. Well, we're not going to get nostalgic here. But George's tactical nous with you know, as you say, yeah. a team which on paper is nowhere near as strong as now to take us to the final that year. It's a different kind of level of quality isn't it the cup winners cup but um yeah tactics is key in europe isn't it don't forget we played in that stadium as well the year later though in the final we did did you you go to the game saragossa yeah i got free transfer from orient the day before i went straight on the um, train on the euro start of paris the next day so you you left football the day before was that your final day of football i got free transfer from late in orient i went straight out to um paris to um watch us get beat yeah, my God. Yeah, well, I think I, that I mean, was my first ever European away trip and it was not a great way to start. Um, and obviously since then, I've had the full set. We've also lost the new UEFA Cup final and the Champions League final. So I might be a bit of a Jonah on European away trips. <laughs> my God. I think it was after that game, Adams did his very famous quote, didn't he, about you, you have to experience the, the bad times to appreciate the good ones. That was sort of, I remember reading that quote and that, and that still is a quote that's sort of incredibly applicable. Well, what I always remember of it is on the way out of the ground when uh, we were 
the fans were filing past what were clearly Arsenal VIP coaches that had uh, board of directors and stuff on it and uh, people were banging on the uh, banging on the coach and shouting spend some money so you know <laughs> nothing more, changes more, nothing plus changes does it plus the shores plus the nemesis was right? although they did didn't they because they signed Dennis and David Platt after that well we'd, start, that we'd finished one. what 12th that year yeah, yeah so that was, was that was yeah. a, a pretty poor season that was, that was the only thing that kept us going and obviously uh, so I think George Graham would have been sacked by then wouldn't he and it was uh, was it Stuart Houston who was mm. in charge in the mm. final I think in 95 so it was a bit of a weird season um, and it, we ended up with nothing having lost in one of the worst ways imaginable a 120th mm. minute fluke by an expert player by an expert player well we, we, we in this podcast Boyd always insists on predictions so we'll get a quick one for tomorrow tomorrow night from you I'll go for 1-1 I think and I, I think it will be a good result John I have the same 1-1 one, 1-1 one. One, one. Yeah. a hat trick of all one of 1-1s one, one, yeah I will go with that yeah. Nick or Drew I'll be happy with that yeah. okay well uh, I'm off on the on the Eurostar tomorrow morning with, uh, with a couple of mates and uh, I'll be more positive I'll say a 2-1 Arsenal victory um just talking about some of our new signings that, that played, we should have touched on Mustafi. Um, it it sense about you know a, a proper serious international defender, someone that obviously Metasaka has played against at international level. Um, you know, we touched on Perez earlier. We didn't talk about Mustafi. That, that's, a, that's potentially a very good signing. Are you, I mean, we should be more stable defensively. Very positive about it. It's good to buy a grown up and a real footballer, someone who's experienced, who's been Are you around. You have to go Rob Holding there. No, not at all. I mean, okay. everybody's got to start somewhere, but when you need to fill gaps in your squad, you do it by spending proper money on proper established internationals. I'm, I'm fully behind that idea, and it's not something that we've done. We've always tried these bits and pieces players. Um, in the past um, and yeah we spent a lot of money on him but he's got a good pedigree and it was a good start we're not going to get carried away after one game but the yeah. guy's clearly got some class um, and hopefully you know if Koscielny's fit tomorrow night and hopefully they'll uh, get a good partnership going OK um, well, well look at Red Action obviously you know something, a group that a lot of people at the club know about I just wanted to because Vaughan obviously goes away I go away quite a lot and we were talking just before about the, the huge difference in, in atmosphere home and away is, is, is there anything going on at the moment in terms of the club I know you've done ahead of some of the really key fixtures like Barcelona last year there was a card display which was amazing are they talking to you about similar activities at the moment? Generally the, the big displays and stuff are, are normally saved for a bit later in the season when they, you know when we're at uh, real key points not necessarily before Christmas but the problem we've got at the moment is that supporter interaction at home games is at an all time low and that's the reality you even look at uh, the game on Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff. everybody says that they love a 3 o'clock kickoff, but there's still thousands of empty seats uh, there's thousands of people coming in late leaving early before half time and, Missing and thousands, of people, thousands of people who'd, who'd already hit the road before the, 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 uh, the final goal went in so people actually getting involved in the ground is, is, is the major issue at the moment and we get a lot of um, you know tweets and emails and various other messages saying when are you going to sort out the atmosphere but the Arsenal fans have got to prove that they want to sort it out they want to prove that they want to get involved and people have got to make a sacrifice and yeah we've got huge problems with our atmosphere the reality is the better the team gets the better the atmosphere gets you, you can't ignore that that link there and the team has not been very good so far this season For, Vaughan you're obviously you're a player how crucial is is that atmosphere to the players? Do you think that, I mean, we as fans love it when the atmosphere is buzzing. That Barcelona home game uh, last year was was brilliant. But does that have much of an impact on the players, do you think? Well, yeah, even like, you know, from us at Wimbledon, when Plough Lane was packed, yeah. it was quite intimidating, believe it or not. You know what I mean? It, I mean, it's, you know, so if you've got, I mean, Ivory rocked, didn't it? You know what I mean? It did. And I've, the only time I've seen it at the Emirates for about three minutes was against Man United in the Champions League the other year when we, we come back to we got beat in the 
first leg. We come back to the Emirates. Everyone was jingoistic. We thought we were going to get something. And we was 1-0 down after a minute. And it was like... Kieran Gibbs fell over. You know, yeah. and then yeah. we were 2-0 down. And it was just like, oh, my God. But I think it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you know, the player... I mean, do we get the players going or do the players get us going? I think there's a bit of both, really, isn't it? You know... I don't know, you know. A bit, we haven't. We, we, we it's not like a fortress, is it? You know, I mean, I, I think. I think, unfortunately, with the Emirates, I think it's one of them things that players will walk out of town. I mean, God, it's lovely here. Yeah, I really want to play here. Whereas, what was it like? At, you know, you you play you in the away dressing room at Highbury. Well, you know, it was. Be- I mean, it was for me. I mean, I'm walking in the marble halls. You just think, oh God, look at this. You know, I mean, it's imposing. It's like steeped in history. You know, and I've gone on the stadium tour at the Emirates. I'm walking around in car. Look, they got you know they got an hydroponic pool and all that. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, cool. Look at this. It's like a seven star hotel. I mean, you went to Highbury. It was like imposing. You had the bust of Herbert Chapman. There it was all marble. It's nice. You had heated floor. You know, what I mean, that was nice with feet cold. But you know, and, you, and then you went out that, that you know onto Highbury and you looked around it and you thought, cool. You know what I mean? It's like. But I think with with the Emirates, I think it might be one of them places at the moment where people want to come and play. But if it was a if it was a place where you weren't getting anything and it was hostile, people might not want to come and play there. But you know, it's a double edged sword. I mean, I don't know. It, it definitely, I don't know. It seems everyone seems to get a bit lost in. I mean, I don't know where the singing comes from. I know the singing's in the corner. Well, but it's, it, it, five blocks five and six where where you are presumably well anywhere you can sing of anywhere wherever you are you know you can sing in any part of ground mm. and you know if you want to get involved and get involved with the atmosphere one of the major problems is that the average age of the season to get older is in their mid fifties so the reality is that even if you're in your mid fifties and still a very very passionate Arsenal fan you're not going to be as noisy as you were mm. in a game at a ground in a game that you were when you were a teenager or in your early twenties and that is part of the problem and the ticket prices are very high and there's a lot of thing that adds up to that but as I was saying earlier, people have got to try and stay in the ground and then we can get in a better atmosphere. An empty seat has got no chance at all of making any noise. I think that is a massive point about the age of those supporters. My son goes to school, went to school in Island. None of his mates at school are going to the ground. They've not got access to the ground. And I think, that's a, I think for, late, for next generation supporters, I think, you know, I think it's, it's something that needs looking at. It, not just at the Arsenal, but just at football as a whole. The average age of football fans who go to matches is, is, is increasing throughout the country, isn't it? I mean, what we're saying here, Man United fans are talking about, Liverpool fans are saying, yeah. we were also saying earlier that if you want, you know, the, the, the great atmospheres tend to come from Arsenal fans away. So I went to Watford away, the couple of Bank Holiday weekend, the atmosphere was cracking. It helped, like you said, that we were thrilling up at half time but just looking back to the Emirates I was just thinking about the great atmospheres we've seen I mean the, the time we came back against Tottenham when we were 2-0 down and won 5-2 yep. when we came back again when we beat Chelsea 3-1 near Christmas or the Barca game where we came back to win 2-1 sometimes the team has to lift the crowd as well and the, you know the team is it has not been obviously as successful as it was at, in the later years at Highbury no, I think you're right. I mean, the club have started doing a couple of the youth games at the stadium, haven't they? And I guess for the League Cup games, they're always making this huge effort to try and reach out, I presume, to more of the local community who maybe are prevented from going out. Yeah, and I know that the club are disappointed each time they get they get drawn away in the League Cup because they want they want those home games and they want to be able to put on the ten pound and twenty quid tickets and get as many of the locals in as possible. They also do the young guns 
for the lower profile league game so you can get into uh, the clock in lower tier for a tenner and watch a Premier League game which is really good but it doesn't cover a massive amount of the games and there are certain restrictions you can't go in with a growing up and various other things like that for you know uh, uh, top ages 18 and stuff like that so there are a few things that they can work out they are trying they just need to have another bit of a bit of a push but when you charge the prices that we do for a season ticket and the amount of people who have been going to watch Arsenal for so long unfortunately the average age is, is very high and that is one of the main problems but presumably our average age as an away fan must be low I mean I guess there's no way of knowing exactly that, that data yeah, it's I mean, different every game but. The, the home fan who uh, doesn't turn up to a lot of the games he has tickets for and watches a, about 70 to 80 minutes of action per week is not going to go to an away is not going to make the effort to go to an away game if they haven't, can't make the effort to watch 90 minutes of a home game which presumably is a lot closer to them the away fans is totally a different demographic and you will find that a lot of there will be a certain percentage of away fans who don't go to home games because they don't like the atmosphere and they don't like the prices and various other things like that and and now with the reduction in the ticket prices for away games away tickets are going to get even even harder to get hold of yeah i mean that is one of the positives i guess that tickets have become we pay 26 quid don't we every every single game because arsenal are paying four pound of it so you know it's a fantastic it, initiative it is and, and you can only applaud everybody that that protested uh, for those things and yeah. protested against ticket prices and it proves that it does work and, and we can sit on our hands as long as we want and complain about this and that but until people are actually going to get involved it's like the atmosphere people saying well the atmosphere is rubbish but you know you just went to the game mate and you left 10 minutes early and you sat on your hands for 80 minutes so you know everybody's got to take the responsibility we've got the power to change the atmosphere at the ground but so few people will actually want to get involved well it could, it could be worse it could be at the London Stadium literally fighting uh, amongst ourselves or with the opposition fans which seems to be West Ham's uh, yeah have been watching situation. that very closely um, one of the things that Arsenal did very well when, when Emirates opened is that they, they weren't they didn't openly get people to sit down very aggressively and that appears to be what the problem is at West Ham where they've got no police in the ground and then the stewards are trying to get people to sit down and then there's a whole load of different um, disagreements between fans and then it's leaving, leading to physical violence and they haven't got any police to go in there and sort it out and it was extraordinary there's no police in that ground so I, I mean barely I was after the Arsenal game on Saturday for, for work reasons ended up going to the basketball at the Copper Box because Great Britain were playing against Hungary I'm sure you all saw it and um, <laughs> there were police inside because there were like 30 Hungarian like quite hardcore fans going like wild and singing there were five or six police officers standing in front of them and I'd like read on Twitter that half a mile away at the stadium with 55,000 West Ham fans were no police inside the stadium yeah I was, reading, I was reading an article about it today online and it's, a, it's the events company who manage basically the, whatever they call it London Stadium that's a lot yeah. for a start um, they manage the events and they say that they can, they can cover it with, with stewards only uh, and with a Watford game it's very low category from a in theory, sense of you know of any proper disorder, but it's West West Ham fans fighting each other appears to be the main problem, and there's been a very small divide between home fans and away fans. Literally three seats with one steward in an orange jacket between them all. So obviously the way the game went, they were up, and then they were losing four two before they knew it. There was obviously a lot of uh, a lot of passion in the ground, and you know a lot of people. Um, disagreed with other fans and started uh, punching each other in the face. Yeah, I, I mean, I should say, you know, Arsenal fans aren't, aren't perfect here. It was only three, four weeks ago away at Leicester when there was a bit of infighting amongst Arsenal fans. I, in I that think very I've, been, horrible... I've been seeing infighting for the last yeah. five or six mm. seasons. I, I, I always remember the Wigan semi final at Wembley when we were 1 0 down yeah. and it was all going off in the sense there was Arsenal fans punching each other in the head right in front of me, rolling in the aisles. You know, grown men rolling in the aisles because of the disagreements over the team and, and the manager. And eventually we got out of it and, and it goes away for a while and then it comes back as soon as we get some bad results and it is a, a very 
Arsenal thing at the moment. There is a huge divisions in the fan base, and that also doesn't help with the uh, help with the atmosphere as well. Because there's a certain amount of a pro manager and a certain amount of anti manager, and they're really going to come. They're really going to come together. Do you think it's, it is fifty fifty? It's really really difficult yeah. to tell because you know you look at the online noise, and it's obviously it's you know the the, the people who are uh, you know discontented will will shout the loudest. But you yeah. look at that, and there's a huge amount of people who are anti anti manager. Um, but then you look at what happened at the Norwich game uh, at the end of last season when when Arsene Wenger was sung for the first time in I don't know how long so where are those people and, and why are they not getting involved more often so if more people who felt that way you know actually piped up and, and, and got behind the manager then maybe make their voice heard a little bit more often but 50-50 60-40 70-30 I don't think anyone can really say and there's, there's no that, referendum coming and there's, no. maybe we should have a referendum maybe that's what we should do what and if more would happen what finger would like go on his sword like Cameron and if he lost the referendum he'd have to go you're often you often judge it on what goes on on Twitter but on Twitter you know people tend to pipe up one way because they feel strongly one way or other there's a lot of fans who are kind of in the middle kind of quite neutral and that's how I'd sum up the atmosphere on Saturday neutral kind of a bit flat to be honest with you Okay. I don't like the divide. I really don't like the divide. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, if that's going to be the legacy, I don't want it to be the legacy. I, think, I mean, I've never seen Arsenal fans more divided about a club that we all support. Surely we've got to be on each other's side. I mean, and I, and I I've, you know, and I, and I know where I stand on it. I know what, you know, but that's, that's my view, and I'll take the other person's view who's, you know, who thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, because I did 10 years ago. But, but you know, I, I, I've got a view now that. You know, but I don't like the divide. I mean, and I'll agree with what with was Raymond, said. Yeah. Right, sorry, what was said about the Norwich game last year made Wenger the strongest he's been for a long, long while. You know, it, it, you know, and, and so my thought. I mean, it's interesting. I want to come on uh, as we wrap up towards the whole game. And it was a whole last year in the FA Cup where we had just won. Was it four nil? We had a very convincing win in the cup, but I, I went out to on that Tuesday night. And it was still at the end of that game. There was that flag of the thanks for the memories. Time to go. Yeah. And it's just if you were to be I mean, played under managers where you know they're unpopular with the fans, there's a group of players coming over where they have to do the kind of applause to the away fans, and they're faced with clearly discontent towards a manager. Does that create a problem within the set of players, or they just get on with it? Well, I would always just you know it's it's a surreal feat. You know, as a player, I mean, you, you can't control the fans. No. I mean, you know. Oh, it's part and parcel of your football. You're going to get, you, you might get stick, or you might not get stick, or you might always be loved. Or, you know, what I mean, like, if you're going over there and you just won, and you're saying thanks for the support and you're clapping, and they're having to go to manager, you're you're thinking, what's going on here? I mean, like at the end of the day, we, we spoke about tonight and our views, and but we come second last year. You can't get away from that. So there'll be people going, what are they going on about? You know, but, but I'm, last year, I'll be honestly, the games I watched, there was about five where I thought, cool, this is good. Well, it's, it's a very Arsenal fan thing, isn't it? You know, we're sitting here now, we're moaning about we only came second last year. We're saying that we boarded the Champions League. <laughs> and it's a real first world problem thing. And if you talk to people yeah, who aren't Arsenal fans, they don't really understand it. You have to talk to other Arsenal mm. fans to put it into context. Arsenal uh, fans are masters of middle class meltdowns. <laughs> they are. If, I think we've got the name problem. of the podcast. I think we've <laughs> just nailed it. Middle, first, middle class meltdowns. First like world it. problems, like what, you say. Well, let's move on to. Um, 
our fifth game of the season which will be away at Hull on Saturday um, we'll be back for a, a podcast or Boyd will be next Monday I'll be away um, away at Hull they've started the season fairly well you know a, a couple of victories a very narrow defeat to Man United grabbed a point at the weekend um, are, are you confident John of us going up there and, uh, and getting getting up over to 10 points and, yeah I'm and really confident Arsenal up? win at Hull I think Arsenal have got will, are you going I'm not no okay. no but I think Arsenal will, will, will get the three points and and Arsenal tend to put a run together in September, October time. But they do tend to play well at this time of the year. What would you put that down to? Um, probably getting a settled side. And Wenger starting to know roughly what his first eleven should be with, with the players that are available. And I think it also takes Arsenal a little bit of time recently to, to get going at the start of the season. But you know, last September they started to motor and I think they will this year as well. Are you, are you in agreement of victory at Hull? I'll go for a, a, a tight little one nil. I think I'll be I'll be happy with that. Any away away win is a good win away win uh, to be sure in, in the Premier League at the moment. So I think we can get the points there. Hull have started all right, but we, we need to be winning that game. And, and Vaughan, obviously, Hull have signed a couple of players because they were desperately short of a squad, but a few players have come in. But uh, are you going up for that one mm, at Hull? Yeah, you are going yeah, up. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not yeah. I'm not going to make make that one. That is a good trip. A train train up for no, you. No, no, we'll drive? drive. We're driving. Yeah, loyal to driving. Do you ever get the train? No, we always do. Well, you can't do the train anymore, really, because they've changed Four. kick-off times. And, yeah, you know, right, you're not before, wrong. And if it's three o'clock, you could book months in advance. You knew where you were going, you know what I mean? But now it's, we drive everywhere. because we are, we're lunchtime, aren't we? Are we lunchtime? No, away? we're three o'clock. We're three o'clock? Oh, mm. we're three o'clock. three o'clock. Which is all right, so we should get, you know, nine. Half nine should be back, yeah, but now win. Give us two wins when you get home. So, so we've done there's another podcast where we've uh, we've sat and been in our middle class meltdowns. You said, John, but ultimately we've all concluded that we're not we're going to avoid defeat in Paris tomorrow. At our main competitors and the the team from the top seeds in our in our group, and then we're going to go and win at Hull, move on to ten points from a possible fifteen at the start of the season. Um, so it's really not all too terrible no. um, here at, here in the Arsenal camp. Um, I think that's just about it, really, for for this week. So as I said, Boyd will be back next week. Um, for a podcast but thank you so much to uh, to John and to Raymond and just before we, you go Vaughan I was just intrigued obviously you talked about these memories of, of playing at, away you know away at Highbury were you ever tempted to sort of sneak in did you go and have a look at the home dressing room or was that just way too embarrassing to do as an Arsenal oh, fan oh no no definitely I you went would in. well because it, it was really strange when we, we went there the first time with Don loads of the Arsenal players come Want in and wanted to speak to Don and, I, and then you had to wander around and you, more for me was London Colney when I played at London Colney as a kid I can't in youth games yeah youth games I'd just walk everywhere oh there's a top that's a nice top you know what I mean I'd walk all around London Colney's training ground all in the different rooms and it, because it was like beautiful compared to Wimbledon it was magnificent <laughs> no, it was their training ground even then 30 years ago was state of the art before it was it was like a college ground up and would you swap time. shirts with the Arsenal players would no you, you couldn't, couldn't do that then Wimbledon only got one set of kit <laughs> couldn't claim it's gone missing <laughs> no but like no, it's, you know, I, it, it was my um Partner's father's 70th birthday, and one of the players, ex players, done me a right favour and got a shirt signed for him, which was really nice recently. Which that's... Have you got shirts up at home? Arsenal shirts, shirts yeah. Like, like, no, from your career? I mean, yeah, you know. I got them, yeah. I got my Wimbledon shirts. I've got a great picture of Orient come, Arsenal come to Orient when they won the two cups, the League Cup and the FA Cup. 93, so. yeah. And I was skipper, and that was just pre season friendly, and they paraded the cups. I've got me and Tony Adams, like, in the 
picture with the got them up on my wall. Is that on the wall? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, you've got to take a picture of that later and tweet that so we can we can retweet <laughs> it from the podcast group. Uh, look, Vaughan, I hope you'll come back later in the season at some point. Uh, it's been fantastic having you. Like I say, thanks so much, John, Raymond, and uh, Boyd, we'll see you next week. Thank you. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.